0: Mortis Maledictum is a cosmic dark fantasy story, and as such, may contain content not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. If you enjoy Mortis Maledictum, please join our Patreon page and our Discord community to connect with us and gain access to exclusive content. The links are down below. Now, enjoy the show. We find ourselves here the beginning, another tale, another chapter. Titus and Cassius climbed down the stone steps, away from the center of Comaldica. While most of the people came to the area to lounge at the magnificent park or watch exotic birds nesting in the trees, these two were on a very different mission. Diana had appeared before them only a day before, She'd stepped off her flying chariot with her elaborate bow in her hand and golden arrows on her back. You two stopped there, she said, and they froze. Cassius and Titus, come to my side. She knew they're named and had clearly been looking for them. They approached her, trepidation causing their steps to falter. Who are you? Titus asked already knowing the answer. I am Diana, and I have work for you. The pair looked around the small clearing in the gardens outside of Alexandra. There were no others around. The goddess of the Hund had chosen her timing well. What can we humble men do for you? Cassius asked. Diana explained how followers of the Egyptian goddess Bastard had insulted her chosen and although Diana had dealt with the perpetrators immediately, the slight needed rectification from the Egyptian Pantheon. She gave them directions to a secret temple to Bastet within the Kom Aldica in Alexandria. That was why, while everyone else lounged in the soft spring sunlight filtering through the trees, Titus and Cassia slipped away down the brick steps to a hidden door. They moved under an archway and down under another short flight of stairs. Here the mosaics and artistry ended, and statues and hieroglyphs took their place. Diana had given them simple instructions. Bastard's followers had insulted the huntress, and they would smash every idol within the temple in recompense. The stone statues sat atop shoulder-high Greek pillars. Titus threw caution to the wind. His goddess Diana had given him explicit instructions and by all others in the pantheon, he would do as she said. He pushed the first pillar over, and the stone panther sitting atop it fell and struck the floor. It broke into three pieces, and the pair of the fathers stood completely still to listen. There were no threads appearing from the archway, and none of Bastet's priestesses were in the temple. Now emboldened, Cassius pushed another pillar over into a third, the boat fell away and crashed into the base of one wall, defacing the hieroglyphs carved there. Both of the men were grinning now, wicked smiles to match their violent deeds. Their eyes shone with righteousness, but round of their depth, and their knowledge of the machinations of gods, was sorely lacking. A female lion padded softly into the temple from an unseen entrance, and stalked up behind the two Romans, who at that moment were busy taking sharp metal rods to the delicately carved walls of the room. Leaping at Cassius from behind, the monstrous beast let out not a whisper of sound. Mid-flight the lion disappeared, and it shifted to a tall naked feminine form with the head of a cat. Bastet came to defend her temple. She landed on Cassius' back and drove him to the floor. She slashed her clawed hands across the tendons in the back of his legs, and he cried out. (laughs) was only warning Titus would get, and it wasn't enough. Bastet conjured a woven gold thread out of the air and flicked it around Titus's neck. She pulled hard on it and the man flew backward, choking and sputtering. He landed beside his friend and, within seconds, Bastet had the pair bound together and dragged them away to the hidden entrance where she had merged. Their lives were forfeit but the retired insult would not be so easily revenged. Her step was a feline, and like the jaguar, the tiger, the panther, and the lion, she liked to play with her food. A silent jackal padded across the lawn of the Komaldika garden, the moon was high in a cloudless night, and the light shone reflected against its black eyes. It made its way down the same brick steps the two defilers had three weeks ago. Anubis entered the hidden temple of Bastet and shifted his form to that of a tall man. His dark skin still gleamed with the sweat of exertion from his travels. Osiris had deigned to make him the ambassador to the Olympians. They want the men's souls back, and it was called into the candlelit interior. He rounded the corner and spotted Bastet lounging at the foot of her shrine. She hissed at him and crossed his arms over his chest. Anubis's long snout looked down at the feline. She was chewing on a finger of her dismembered hand. They are mine to toy with as I wish, she replied. I have walked from Cairo to Mount Olympus and now to here. The souls must go to their eternity. You cannot keep them forever. They are mine, Bastet repeated. They smashed my statues and destroyed my temple. Anubis crouched down to meet Bastet's eyes. He looked at her, carefully measuring her resolve. After a time, he sighed. A slight against one of us is a slight against all of us. I have negotiated with the Roman gods. They kept your priestess's soul, who Diana slew. You can keep the souls of these men. Diana does not agree, but Jupiter doesn't wish war with us. What do they want instead, Impu? She asked, using a truly ancient name Anubis hadn't used in centuries. The comment raised Anubis' hackles. It wasn't the name. He knew what he had to say. They knew equally how Bastet would take it. The Olympians say they have become too powerful. They want us to take the Defiler's power. Bastet jumped up onto the shrine, shifting into a small black cat and hissing again. I will not hold the Bastion. They cannot force me. Their bodies are mine to play with. But the Romans must take their souls. Anna gave them some of her power. Did they tell you that? Anubis took a step back and held his hands up in deference. They admitted nothing, but I suspected that was the case. He said, and sighed. How close are you to the top? Osiris and Amun still hold the majority, but I must diminish if I am to avoid representing us for the next mantle. Instead, said. And his shoulders slumped. Amun is no longer as powerful as he was. He was formed with Ra, and gave the other much of his power. I am second. It was why Osiris sent me to Olympus. Many of their worshippers thought Amun-Ra was the prime deity. This granted the god nearly unsurpassed power. But as the prime responsibilities pushed Amun to the limits of his power... Ra would have ceased despite constant worship if he had not merged with Amun. Together they used their power to hold the land together, raise the sun, and bring the rains to the wet seasons. It may not be the way other pantheons worked, but it was the way Egypt had always functioned. I am sorry, but I cannot kill the men, Bastet said. I cannot take their power or risk rivalling Osiris. Diana is cunning, and she's turned your provocation back on us. Enobis paused here and shifted back to a jackal. He sniffed the air, and then softly padded off towards the temple's back room, where Bastet kept her prisoners. His form did not prevent him from communicating with Bastet. Indeed, his actions taught her volumes. He would kill Titus and Cassius therefore taking Diana's power, and become the first among the Egyptian pantheon. It is a risk, he told her, but I must weigh their hearts and send them onwards. If that means I must also fell them myself, so be it. A screams echoed from the temple, but were drowned out by the primal howl of a hunting jackal. The birds roosting in the trees of Komaldika took flight in sudden primal and predatory fear, Then all were cut short. Lights came on in the homes surrounding the garden, and their inhabitants looked out from their porticos, holding staves to protect themselves, and it would have helped if the jackal they feared was any other than the god of the dead. Thus did Anubis become the first Egyptian god to meet the Melusi but he was needed for his people and was not chosen. After many centuries, he could finally diminish the power Diana had tricked him into absorbing. But he never forgot, and never forgave her. And thus, the story is ended. The tale told. The chapter closed. This Twisted Tale was created by an Apollo Plus creator. Apollo Plus is a subscription that lets you listen to your favorite audio fiction series with no ad interruptions while supporting your favorite fiction and horror creators. Shows on Apollo Plus have no ads, they grant early access to new content, offer exclusive episodes and behind the scenes clips, season supercuts, and more. And the collection of shows is always growing. of the revenue goes to the creators you love and helps them make their next audio adventure possible. You can support dozens of creators with one subscription. So join Apollo Plus today by downloading the Apollo Podcast app for iOS and Android or by visiting apollopods.com. But don't think that you can escape the horrors.